Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with 11 Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope all is going well in your world today. I hope you're ready to listen to the Word of God today and study it with me. I certainly appreciate you joining me this morning. God is just so awesome, isn't he? You know, we get this awesome opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ each and every week on the airwaves, across the internet, on apps. It's just phenomenal the ways that God has given us to proclaim his gospel. We got to do it face to face too, though, y'all. Be sure that you're sharing his gospel, sharing your testimony with others, and then all of the other ways that he has given us to share the gospel. Be sure you're doing that too on social media. Make sure you're bringing him glory on social media, and let's just live this life completely for him, showing people, telling people about his great love and about his salvation. Well, this morning, we are going to talk about baptism. Last week, I shared the message called The Simple Gospel of Jesus Christ and how Jesus has done it all, and we have to receive. We have to receive his salvation. We receive his forgiveness. We receive his righteousness. And then the question should be, what's next? And unfortunately, a lot of times, that's not properly explained, but we're going to explain it here on Sunday morning of Love and Action, and I do my best to explain what we need to do, what the next steps need to be in our lives. And again, it's not works of salvation. You know, we can't do anything to earn salvation, but there are things that we need to do so we can grow in Jesus and go through this thing called sanctification, and that's just becoming more like Jesus. And that's the goal of every believer, is to become more like Jesus. So we're going to talk about that next step this morning. And if you did make a decision, or if you have recently made a decision to follow Jesus, I really pray that this message will minister to you. And if you are a born-again believer, you've been baptized, you're being discipled, you're growing in the Lord, then I pray this message will help you share with others what is baptism and why do we need to be baptized. So let's go to our Father in prayer, and then we'll jump into the Word. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you. We love you. You are so awesome. You are amazing. Father, we praise your holy name. You are glorious. You are majestic. Your ways are powerful. Father, we thank you. You have created the heavens. You've created this earth. Father, you've done it all. There's nothing impossible for you, Lord. When we think about all that you've created, all that you have done and and that you are currently doing, Lord, then when situations come up in our lives that seem hard, that seem tough, that even seem impossible, let us know and remember that nothing is impossible for you. For God, if you just breathe and the stars were created and the sun was put in its place by your very spoken word, then, Lord, there is nothing impossible for you. And so, Father, help us to remember that, that we serve the one true God who is almighty, who is sovereign in every situation. And may we always give you praise. Father, we thank you for your word that you give us. Father, as we study today, as we open up your word and talk about baptism, Lord, we just ask you, to show us what you want us to see. Let us have ears to hear what your Spirit has to say to us. We ask your Holy Spirit to teach us, lead, guide, and direct us into all your truths. And Father God, I pray we will be doers of your word and not hearers only. And Father, I just ask you to give me the words to say, and may you be glorified. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
baptism. What is baptism and why should we be baptized? Let's dive into that this morning. There are two ceremonies, two ordinances, some call them sacraments, that our Lord Jesus commands us to do. One is the Lord's Supper and one is baptism. So those are the two ordinances and some call them ordinances because he ordained them. Some in the faith will call them sacraments. But whichever name you call them, he tells us to do those. And the ordinance we're going to talk about this morning is baptism. And so what is baptism? Let's look at that. And when do we get baptized? Well, baptism is just a a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. It's a wonderful thing to see. And to actually baptize somebody is just one of the greatest honors I've ever had in my life. And praise God, I can think about so many people that I've been blessed to baptize uh, right here at Love in Action and in other churches and swimming pools and rivers and other countries. It's just awesome to baptize people because they are taking that step of faith, that step of obedience to say, yes, I'm following Jesus. And that's one thing baptism is. It is an outward witness to others who see you baptized saying, yes, I'm following Jesus. In the New Testament, we see the mode of baptism, the practice of baptism being carried out in one way, and that was people being baptized. They were immersed into the water. It means they were completely put under the water and then brought back up again. And baptism by immersion, that's what we see in the New Testament. And in the Greek, that's exactly what the word translated to baptism means. The Greek word used there in the text is baptizo. And in the Greek, that's a process of being immersed. And so that's why we see immersion in the New Testament. That's why we see Jesus being immersed when he was baptized. But that word baptizo is interesting. There's this neat analogy. It's actually a beautiful analogy that I like to share now with that Greek word. Because there's, there's another Greek word called bapto, B-A-P-T-O. And that was used in the Greek in those days, a process of dipping a vegetable into hot water. That's bapto. They would take a vegetable, dip it into hot water. But the word baptizo, they used that when they took vegetables and they immersed them forever in vinegar. It's like making pickles, right? Like making pickles today. You take that cucumber, and if you want to pickle it, you don't just dip it in and pull it back out. You immerse it. It goes all the way into the vinegar, and it stays there, and it's pickled, right? Every single time the word baptism appears in the New Testament, the Greek word used is baptizo, not bapto. So it's not dipping and taking out, it's immersion, immersing and keeping it in. And now when you're baptized, we don't just stick you underwater and you stay there, but it's a beautiful analogy here. So to be baptized does not mean to be dipped in Christ and then go on living same lives as we were living earlier before we were baptized. No, that's not what it means at all. To be baptized means to be left forever immersed in Christ, just like a pickle is left in vinegar and is immersed in vinegar forever. So when we are baptized, we are forever immersed in Christ. And that's just a beautiful picture to think about baptism. As you are immersed and as you come back out, you are immersed with Jesus Christ forever. And that is a beautiful analogy of baptism. So we see that the word baptize, baptizo, 
means to plunge, immerse something into water, right? And so we know that's a person. We're going to baptize a person in the water, immerse them into the water. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 5, we see that people were baptized by John in the River Jordan. And the Greek text was in, not beside, not by, not near the river, but in the River Jordan. So Mark tells us that when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. That's Mark chapter 1, verse 10. So he was obviously immersed because he came back up out of the water. And the Greek text specifies that he came out of the water, not that he came away from it. He came out of it. So the fact that John and Jesus went into the river and came up out of it strongly suggests that immersion is what took place. So we understand we're immersed into the water. And there's a lot of symbolism, a lot of beautiful symbolism involved in baptism. It symbolizes our union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we can only really get that symbolism when we are immersed instead of being sprinkled. When we are immersed into the water, it's symbolic of us dying to our sins with Christ. And Christ was placed into the tomb when he died. And so that's the symbolism of us being immersed into the water. We are immersed into his death. And then when we come up out of the water, when we're raised up out of the water, that is symbolic of rising up to new life with Jesus, which that's what salvation does. When we're saved, we have this new life. And so the symbolism of baptism is we're coming back. We've been buried with Christ. We're coming back to new life in Christ. And the symbolism of the water is is symbolic. Jesus' blood washes us clean. And so that's the symbolism going on there is being cleansed uh, from our sins. But understand the water's not doing that. Jesus has already done that. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he has cleansed you. But now the baptism is being symbolic of that cleansing. And we see scripture in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, do you not know that all of us, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul also told the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So you can see that symbolism, and it's so clearly seen in immersion when we're baptized by immersion. So when the new believer is baptized, goes into the water, it's the picture again of going down into the grave and being buried, and then coming up out of water is then a picture of being raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. Praise God. So baptism clearly pictures death of our old ways. Our old ways have been buried. They're gone. They're dead. And now we're rising to a new kind of life in Christ. Praise God. Our God is, isn't he awesome? He takes our old life and he buries it. And then he gives us new life. Praise his name. One thing I want to encourage you about baptism, whether you are the one being baptized or performing the baptism or you're watching someone be baptized, don't overlook the beauty of baptism. It really should be an event that we celebrate. I encourage you not to lose sight of the significance and the beauty of baptism. 
And I like what Dr. Wayne Grudem writes in his book called Bible Doctrine. He writes, The amazing truths of dying and rising with Christ and of having our sins washed away are truths of momentous and eternal proportion and ought to be an occasion for giving great glory and praise to God. If churches would teach these truths more clearly, baptisms would be the occasion of much more blessings in the church. And I couldn't agree with Dr. Grudem more. We need to celebrate baptism. We need to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ and how he has saved a soul. And he has not only forgiven, but cleansed a soul from all sins and has given eternal life to that person. So let's be sure that we are celebrating a baptism and not just looking at it as, okay, well, we got to dunk somebody today. No, it's a celebration, and we need to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't think I'll ever forget one gentleman who we baptized here at Love and Action because of his excitement for baptism. I remember this young man. He was actually from the country of Turkey, and he was homeless at the time. But a couple of years before we met him, he was in North Carolina, and somebody there had told him about Jesus and led him to faith in Jesus. But then that was it. They, they didn't go any further with him. And so as Brother Suhail was here sharing with him about the faith and told him about baptism, and he was like, wait, what? What is this baptism? And so Suhail shared that with him, and he got so excited. He was just, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. And so we baptized him, and he was just excited. And he, man, did he ever celebrate being baptized. And I told him afterwards, I said, Brother, I wish everybody was as excited as you are about being baptized. That is truly a moment we need to celebrate in somebody's new walk with Jesus. And so if you've never been baptized before, I really, really encourage you to be baptized. In baptism, we see the significance of it, obviously, as we've talked about this morning. But it's also just something very important that Jesus He actually tells us to be baptized. He commands us to be baptized. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 is what we call the Great Commission. And in that Great Commission, he tells us, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and baptize all nations. That word all nations means all people groups, ethnic groups. So he tells us to go and baptize. And that's not a suggestion. He's commanding us to. We know that he was baptized, and now he's commanding us to baptize. So he tells us to follow him, then we need to follow him and do what he tells us to do. I want to address another topic right here on baptism is the topic of, is it needed for salvation? Is it salvific? Which means, does it deal with salvation? And my answer to that coming from the Bible is, no, it's not salvific. It's not something that we need to be saved. We are saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the work that he did on the cross to die for our sins, to take the wrath of God for us, and then to be buried and brought back to life to give us new life. So we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are born again. We become saved, as the saying goes. So let me take you to some scripture to tell you why I believe that and always want to back our beliefs with scripture. If it's not in the Bible, I don't want to believe it because the Bible is truth. God's word is the standard for all truth. So let's look at Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, and I'm going to read 
verses 40 through 43, but let me set that up for you. Jesus is on the cross at this point in Scripture. He had been beaten, he had been nailed to the cross, and he's on the cross. And there are two criminals, one on either side of him, and one of them is mocking him, telling him, hey, if you're the king of the Jews, and save yourself. But the other criminal, he says this in verse 40. He says, but the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow, praise God. Today you will be with me in paradise. So here is a man on a cross, and he is dying, and he understands that he's being crucified because he committed a crime, and he was getting his reward for that crime, which is interesting because we know Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. So he knew what he was getting was justified, but he knew that Jesus had not sinned. Jesus hadn't done anything wrong, and they had nailed him to the cross. They were killing an innocent man. Now, we know Jesus did that. He did not sin, and he was innocent, but he did that for us, for all of us. He took our sins. He bore our sins on the cross. He took what we deserved. He took what would have been very just of God to have let all of us just die in our sins. But the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God— we see on the cross in Jesus. And so upon the thief's confession and belief, he was saved because he, he just confessed right there, this man is innocent. Jesus, remember me today in your kingdom. In other words, I give my life to you. And even though he was not baptized, Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. So they didn't say, hey, stop, let's take this man down, let's let him be baptized so he can spend eternity with Jesus. Now, of course, they didn't do that. But Jesus told him very plainly, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So there's an example that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Then also we can go to the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Now with Paul, we have a man who was a Pharisee, which meant he knew the law frontwards and backwards. He was a very precise person. When he described something, he went into great detail with it. He didn't leave anything out. He wanted to make sure every point was covered. And he kept that mentality as he gave his life to Jesus on the road to Damascus and started living for Jesus and preaching the gospel to others. But we read in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, where Paul is saying, this is how you're saved. This is how you're born again. And let's read that, Romans 10, starting verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Then he goes on to verse 13 to say that, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul, not once did he write, you must be baptized to be saved. He said, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. As he writes there, with the heart we believe and we're justified, and with the mouth we confess and we're saved. So we see through Scripture that baptism is not necessary for salvation. However, it is extremely important because it's obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's an outward witness to others that, hey, we're following Jesus. Because when you are baptized, people who are seeing it, they know why you're doing that is because Jesus said to do it because you love him and you want to be obedient and follow him into, into baptism. So it's very important, but it's not necessary for salvation. It's not salvific. So when should we be baptized? Should we be baptized right away? Should we be baptized later on down the road? I personally believe we should be baptized immediately. Explain baptism to the new believer and then baptize. And the reason why, because, again, that's one of our first steps of obedience. So we're immediately teaching obedience to Jesus. Jesus wants us to be baptized, so let's be obedient to him and be baptized today. So as soon as we can baptize people, we do. And I love it when that happens here at Love and Action because we have a baptismal trough, and we will fill that up, and people come to the Lord, and we share baptism with them. And they said, yes, I want to be baptized. And we say, well, how about now? Okay. And so we baptize them. That's just a, a wonderful thing. We had that happen recently when one of our volunteers was sharing the gospel with a new homeless friend of ours, and he wanted to be baptized. And so he confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He believes Jesus died on the cross for his sins and rose again to give him eternal life. And our volunteer, Miss Lynn, she told Martha, and Martha called up to Sean. Uh, we're on campus here, so they were in what we call our Sweet Six, which is our, our ministry area, and Sean was up in the kitchen, and Sean said, hey, do you want to be baptized now? Yes. Okay. We'll fill it up. We'll fill up the baptismal trough, and Brother Suhail baptized him. And what made that so exciting for me was, one, Somebody was saved. Somebody's being baptized, following Jesus in obedience into baptism. But two, I was actually in class. I, I'm in seminary right now, and so I was in class, and all of this was going on without me being a part of it. And what made that so exciting to me is that, you know, this ministry is not about Ken Tuck. It's not about Martha Tuck. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And... When we make disciples, the goal of discipleship is to teach people how to live for Jesus and then teach people how to make other disciples so they can be part of that disciple-making process. That's how the word keeps spreading. And I was just seeing that happening as Martha was texting me what was going on, and I just got so excited because there was one volunteer who has been going through all of our discipleships, and she's teaching discipleship as well. And here she is leading someone to Christ, explaining baptism to them. And then here's Sean and Suhail. They're wonderful believers in Christ. They've gone through baptism. They've gone through discipleship, obviously, and they know the importance of baptism. And so here we go. We're filling up the trough, being baptized right away. And that was just so exciting to me. So we need to be baptized as quickly as we 
possibly can. There's, there's sometimes there's some reasons why we may not can right that moment. But when you can, I really encourage you to. And we see that in Scripture as well. Uh, we read in Acts in um, chapter 16 when Lydia, she believes, her whole household believes, and they were all baptized. We see that in the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 where the Lord has Philip to go down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and there he meets a Ethiopian, a eunuch, and he's in a chariot, and he's reading from Isaiah, but he doesn't quite understand. Well, he doesn't understand what he's reading, so Philip joins him and sits in the chariot with them, and Philip starts to explain to him what Isaiah is writing about. And let's pick up in chapter 8 of Acts, verse 32. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this gener- his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So see, there's another example of being baptized right away. The eunuch understood the gospel as Philip explained it to him, and he wanted to give his life to to Jesus, and he did, and he wanted to follow him in baptism, and so he was baptized right then, right away. And so I just want to encourage you, when you give your life to Jesus, be baptized as quick as you can. And again, it's a wonderful, wonderful ordinance that the Lord gives us that should be celebrated, and I pray that each and every time we see a baptism or we get to baptize someone, let's never lose the beauty of it and the significance of baptism. So that's the next step you take. You give your life to the Lord, you're baptized, and then you you also start learning the Word of God. You start praying. You start getting into His Word, becoming a disciple. That's why I always say it's great to get involved with a life-giving church, a church where they are proclaiming the gospel, they are making disciples, teaching believers how to live for Jesus, and training them how to make disciples as well. So I encourage you to do that. And if you haven't given your life to the Lord, what's preventing you from doing it? Do it today. Just call out on the name of Jesus. He's listening. He will hear you, I promise you. And just let him know, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. I confess that, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I believe with all my heart you died on the cross and rose again. And just call out to him as best you know how. He meets you right where you're at, and he, he'll forgive you. He tells us to repent, which means turn. Turn from our sinful ways. Turn to him and let him help you day after day. And I just encourage you to follow him. Be in his word. If you're a new believer, open up the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. 
read Luke and then Acts. Those two books actually go together. Luke wrote both of them, and you really need to read them in tandem with each other, Luke and Acts. And pray, just call out to God, talk to him. He hears you. Get involved with the life-giving church. Get involved in discipleship. We teach discipleship here at Love in Action. Check it out on our website, loveinactionministries.com. We'd love to take you with the next steps as well. But we are out of time. There's there's always so much to talk about in there. <laughs> God's Word is a never-ending supply of things to talk about. But we're going to stop right here today. I hope this teaching has helped. If you have any questions, please feel free to call me at our office here at Love and Action is 334-494-4995 or email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Well, thank you again for joining me today. I pray the rest of this day goes great for you, and I pray you have a wonderful week coming up. Remember, Jesus loves you. Be in his word, read his word, pray to him, and know that he loves you so much. And I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.